worship you. Come on, church. Don't stop. Come on, let's keep giving God praise this morning. He deserves it. He deserves it. Come on. God, we love you. Come on, God, we serve you. Come on, I just don't believe that any stadium should outpraise God's church. Amen. Come on, I just believe people of God alive in the house this morning. Come on, God, we thank you for an extra hour in Jesus' name. This is a move. That was good, Terrence. That's why I don't sing. I'm always nervous to turn my mic on early because I'm still praising, and I don't want y'all to hear me praise because <laughs> that'll shut it down real quick. That's, uh, that's, as, the, as my grandparents used to say, that would be a quenching of the spirit. Uh, let's go to God's word this morning as we begin uh, to unpack and to hear from the Lord this morning. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 41. So if you want to grab a moment to grab your device or your Bible, but if you don't uh, have one this morning, don't worry, we're going to put it on the screen for you. We're going to read a few verses here, and, uh, uh, and I know it's going to be good. And so uh, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 through 16. So, so bear with me as we honor the Lord and his word. It says this, after two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows attractive and plump. That's how God describes me. Uh, and they fed in the reed grass and behold seven other cows ugly and thin God doesn't describe you that way at all I promise uh, came up out of the Nile after them and, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile and the ugly thin cows ate up the seven attractive plump cows and Pharaoh awoke and he fell asleep and dreamed a second time and behold seven ears of grain plump and good were growing on one stalk and behold after them sprouted seven ears thin and blighted by the east wind and and the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears and pharaoh awoke and behold it was a dream so in the morning his spirit was troubled and he sent and called for the magicians of egypt and all its wise men and pharaoh told them uh, his dreams but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I'll remember my offenses today when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We dreamed on the same night and he and I each having a dream with its own interpretation. And a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard, when he told him, he in, when, when we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted it to us, so it came about, I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself, changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream. And there was no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said uh, of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh. It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Let's jump down to verse 25. Then Pharaoh said, or then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one, and God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. I love the title of this message, Dreaming Beyond Me, Dreaming Beyond Me, Dreaming Beyond Me. Um, find somebody next to you before you take a seat and tell them you look like a dream. You look like a dream. You look like a dream. 
You look like a dream. Well, good morning, online church. Good morning, church family in the house. Um, for the past few weeks, we've been in this message series entitled Dream Again. And uh, it's going to take us all the way to December 12th, and we're, we're excited about it. We're thankful for it. We believe in God is speaking to us, and I pray that God has been encouraging you and speaking to you in this season as well, where maybe if you've stopped dreaming, I pray that you've started dreaming again. Um, and for the past few weeks, we've really been looking at the individual story of Joseph, um, the individual ups and downs of a dream, the often revisions that dreams can go through, the rough drafts, um, what it feels like when dreams sometimes hit dead ends and we go, okay, God, what's going on? How, how God develops the dreamer, not just the dream, and how God uh, helps us uh, build in disciplines in our life that make dreams possible, how God, how God cures our character so that when the dream does come true, we've got the character and the fortitude within our lives to be able to support a God-sized dream for our life. And, and I pray that, that you in your life begin to see God's dream for your life begin to come true. Because I, I really believe that dreaming is a vital uh, uh, part to our spirit, our life. I, I, I never want to stop dreaming. I want to be 97 and continuing to dream. Anybody out there, you want to you stay dreaming. I, I never want to arrive to a place in my life where I concede that, well, God, I, I guess this is all that life will be. Uh, I, I want to stay dreaming. I think dreams keep life fresh, and I, I think dreams are evidence of the Spirit of God in our life, where the Spirit is breathing, where the Spirit is moving, where He's operating and painting in vivid color in our mind what the potential of uh, God's destiny in our life, but also the potential of the church, potential of every believer moving. And it's confirmed in Joel chapter 2, 28, which is a prophecy of the age that we're living in now, what I call the Spirit Age. And what Scripture describes as the Spirit agent, it says here, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall, shall, shall see visions. So I just wonder, uh, again, I, I, this has kind of been a theme verse for us in this series. Come on, does anybody want to continue to see God move in their life, to dream dreams, to see visions, and go, God, I, I never want life to become dull. I never want life to become mundane. But I think one of the tensions, and I want to take a shift if you'll let me this morning, and I want to move from an individualistic perspective on dreams, and I want to begin to move to a collective perspective. Because I think one of the dangers in church, in society, in our own lives, is that, that we all have this really natural propensity to be selfish and self-centered. And it's not judgmental. I'm not trying to condemn you or, or, or come against you because, because I think it's all within us. It's within me. It's within you. It's in, within the very core of humanity. I think pride and self-centeredness are two pillars that human nature oftentimes, if left unredeemed, are built upon. Thinking more of ourselves and thinking of ourselves all the time. <laughs> Let me say that a different way. Thinking more of ourselves pride and thinking of ourselves more than others, self-centeredness. Do you see the two pillars? Does anybody ever struggle sometimes with a little bit of pride, a little bit of selfishness? Okay, I appreciate the honesty back there. Thank you. Uh, if, if you're not convinced, let me just walk down a few examples. Have you ever watched Kids at Christmas? Uh, and if you've had multiple kids, uh, it's not even about how much money you've spent. It's they have more presents than me. 
And it's like, yeah, but I bought you a PlayStation 5 and I bought you Barbie dolls. Yeah, but they have more presents. Come on, how many of you guys, when you were kids, you counted. How, okay, before you even opened, you're like, one, two, three, four, seven. He has 11 presents. Well, he's two. You know, like, we do this. Come on, you're still not convinced? That's okay. How, how many of you guys, you made a raid for toilet paper about 18 months ago. And you were there. And you, were, you, you made it to the grocery store or Costco or H-E-B, and you were like, and you're still using the toilet paper that you bought 18 months ago. Come on, somebody. Society can be a little self-serving. I was at the gym the other day, and, and this individual was working out, and they had a full, a full video set up. And so they would do a, a, a workout, which was great. And in the middle of the gym, they're doing TikTok dances, right? So they're like, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we're here to work. I mean, society sometimes can be a little self-centered, a little selfish. And hey, listen, I, I have no problem with social media. Some of you guys use social media for a living, and I think that's great. Go for it. Uh, and I think there's a time and place for it. Uh, and, and I think it can be very useful. But I think what we do is sometimes we can bring that same nature into our dreams. As if that, that the God of the universe is giving you a dream just for you. Just for you. Like, God, I, I, lo I love my personal dream, and it's so great. And, and, and the challenge becomes that, that we begin to think that, that we are the main character of the dream that God has given us. And it's understandable because God gave it to you, and so you would naturally think, well, God, this is what you're trying to do in my life. But, but, the, but really what it is is going, uh, is going God, God, what are you trying to do through my life, not what are you just trying to do for my life? And I think, I, honestly, I think the challenge is this, is that sometimes we can begin to view our Christian walk like a Disney movie. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, like, like there's trouble and there's tension and then the dream comes true. And once God has the dream come true for you, for you it, the, it says, then they lived happily ever after and the credits roll. Ah, uh, they were reunited. The, the, the villain was conquered. I mean, whatever it is, and then the credits roll. And it's very easy for us to begin to view God almost like Aladdin, you know, and, but, but God's not Aladdin, God's just the genie, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and we're the Aladdins, I can show you the world, right, I told you, I t I'm not very good, but I'm gonna have fun with you, right, I, I'm a little self-deprecating, and we can view God as this genie that's making our dreams come true, God, 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 how many more wishes do I have? How, how, can, you, can, you, can you do a miracle for me? But, but can I tell you this? That, that, that God is the king of all of the earth. And can I tell you that Jesus is king and he does not share his throne. But his purposes, his plans, his destinies are bigger than anything that we would want selfishly. God gives you dreams not just for you but for him. And God is giving you a dream, and God's giving every person in our church a dream. And I think he's doing it not just so that we can have a great Disney movie life, and we can look and be, oh, we're Aladdin flying on the carpet, and I've got a God that will grant me wishes. But so that his purpose, his plan, his will, his destiny for our life can come true. Can I tell you that, that God is painting a picture that is bigger than one individual, but God is doing something that is almost like a mosaic of life where we collectively create a picture of what humanity can be after it's redeemed by God. I remember um, 
I was traveling in Europe, and, and in some of the castles uh, they, they have there, they didn't have a, a lot of paintings in the Middle Ages, and so what they do is they would create these tapestries. And these tapestries were, were sometimes 20, 30 feet wide and tall, and they were huge tapestries. And that was the way, the way they used to cover the walls of these castles, and they would tell stories, and they were, they were beautiful. And, and then off to the side in the, like, the little museum, they, they had like a miniature version of, of how they were created. And maybe you've seen this in, in different parts of the world, Africa, South America, the Southeast. I mean, every person has used some type of tapestry to tell the story of their culture and their community. And, and, and what they would do is they would, they would line this up, and it would take years and years to create these because, because each thread... Each thread was laid in individually, and each thread has its own color and had its own meaning. And, and what, what ends up happening sometimes in life is that we can pull the thread out of the tapestry of God that is our life. And we can hold it up and go, this is it. But all it is is a thread on its own. But can I tell you that when, when the people of God begin to weave themselves together, when they begin to weave themselves together where, where God has the master loom, and he's, and he's working together with humanity. He's working together in our hearts. Can I tell you that God begins to take all of our lives and begin to weave a picture of what heaven can look like, what scripture can look like, and it creates a picture for the world, but it only, it only can take place when we're woven together. I want to teach you this thought this morning is this, is that God gives a dream to you so that he can accomplish his purpose through you. God gives you a dream. God gives a dream to you so that he can accomplish his purpose through you. The dream job, the dream house, the dream family, whatever the dream is in your life, can I tell you, the dream does not dead end with you. You are not the cul-de-sac of God's dream. God, God's wanting to work through you. God's wanting to do something in your life. And when we view the, 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 the kingdom of God going, okay, God, my dream has come true, credits roll. And, and here's the deal, it's understandable why. Because Joseph thought that. When, when God gave Joseph the dream, Joseph thought, oh, well, great. Like, I'm going to be worshipped. I'm going to be bowed down to. God, it's all about me. How amazing is this? But God was like, <laughs> you, you're funny. It takes him on this massive journey through ups and downs and pains and processing and developing so that God could do something beyond Joseph. A dream beyond me. A dream beyond an individual. A dream beyond one single purpose, person. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, For it is God who works in you both to will and work for his good pleasure. God is working in us for whose pleasure? His per, his pleasure, his purpose, his will. Now, is a byproduct of being used by God blessing in our life? Of course it is. But it is not the end. The end is so that God can bring glory to himself through our lives. And here's the deal. There's a lot of churches and there's a lot of theology, especially American theology, that, that God is all about blessing me. And I'm going to get my blessing, and I'm going to get my things. But can I tell you that God will only bless you if he can get glory for it. God is in the business of promoting himself. Because can I tell you, it is only Christ, and it is only God that can redeem humanity. 
And so while we will be a church that preaches blessing and preach, preaches that, there, that the Holy Spirit can cause our life to prosper, not just financially, we will also be a church that will die on the truth that says this, we are in it for His glory, not mine. We are in it for His glory, not my own. God is not my genie, he is my God. I'm not sitting side saddle with God on the throne. He is on the throne and I am on my knees, right? Can I get an amen? He is on the throne, not me. So I'm not sitting on the throne with Jesus going, hey, what are we getting up to today? What you want? Listen, I just really don't like my boss. Can you fire him? Can you make something happen? Can you do something, God? God, I've been driving this Honda Accord for like a minute now. God, I, I need you to do something here, right? Like, I need something German. I'm just feeling it, right? Like, I, I can't do this. I mean, Elon's moving to Austin. Can you hook a brother up, right? Like, where's, where is my Tesla, God? So let's start with the fact that not all dreams are happy. How many of you guys have had some dreams that have troubled you? Genesis 41 verse 8 says this, so in the morning his spirit was troubled and he sent and called all for all the musicians of Egypt and his wise men and Pharaoh told him his dreams but there was none who could interpret them. Can I tell you that Pharaoh had a dream that troubled him and I'm not talking about a nightmare, I'm talking about have you ever woken up troubled? How many, how many of you, you woken up angry at your spouse for something they did in your dreams and they're like what, why are you mad at me? What did I do? Well, I'm just really upset at you because you weren't very nice in my dream. I, it was not, like, what, how can I control that? I think there's times in our life that we should be troubled. I think we should be troubled. I think our spirit should at times be troubled. Our soul should be troubled. And I think when we look at the world, we should feel troubled. When we look at people hurting, we should feel troubled. When we look at the confusion going on in our world where, where truth is undermined, it should trouble us. And I think we respond in all different ways. Some of us respond in anger. And we lash out. We get angry and, we, and the people who are confused, the people are, who are hurting, and even though they may feel like they're in positions of power, we can get angry at them and lash out at them. And, and I think that's just us trying to come to grips with the troubling in our spirit. We can deny it. I think a lot of people, when, they, when they're troubled by certain things, we deny it. We push it away because we don't like to feel uncomfortable. And that bothers us. It, it's kind of a downer in life. And I just don't want to think about those things. And so, so we, we kind of push it away. I think for other of us, when we're, when we're troubled, we, we distract ourselves. We, we go, okay, I just want to feel happy. So I'm going to do something that will make me feel happy because I don't want to feel troubled. I don't, I don't like it. And there's moments in our life where God doesn't just give us happy dreams and blessing dreams, but there's sometimes that God gives us troubling dreams. Where when we wake up and we think to ourselves, something must be done about this, something must change with this. God, there's something that doesn't sit right in my soul. And, and Pharaoh feels this. I can remember a few years ago, um, Natalie and I, we went on a missions trip to Jamaica. And uh, just 40 individuals that went, maybe 45, and the average trip cost was $2,000. And so, you know, it's $80,000 plus used towards this missions trip. And uh, when we get there, um, the missions partner that we were supposed to be partnering with um, 
I don't know if he wasn't prepared for us or he just didn't have a lot going on. And remember, we were supposed to do some children's crusades and reach kids in the worst part of Jamaica and Kingston. And we were actually in Bob Marley's old neighborhood. And uh, we were going to hold a rally for kids in the Bass Theater in Kingston, Jamaica, where Bob Marley would hold concerts in the 60s. And uh, we get there, and we didn't really do much. We kind of walked around neighborhoods, and there was a lot of people more concerned with going to the beach and seeing if actually the rumors about Jamaica were true, trying to convince people to sell them weed. Um, they were more concerned about touristy things than, than gospel things. And not only that, the people on the ground, it seemed like they weren't really in a, in a rush to do anything. And I remember we spent time not really ministering to people, but just kind of wandering around. And, and one day I took a walk through the neighborhood of this slum in Kingston, Jamaica. And you could see the depravity of people. You could see children on the street. You could see people on substances by mid-morning. You could see the squalor. You could see the poverty. You could see the difficulty. And I began to talk to some of the locals and to describe their life. It seemed dire. It seemed dark. It seemed hopeless. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what a waste. We've come all this way, and we're not even actually doing anything. We did the youth rally, and I think 30 kids showed up. And I'm thinking, man, we spent $80,000 to come down here. And like, what are we doing? And so I was just angry. I was mad. If you know me, I'm, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, so I'm like a challenger. I'm always like, what? What's going on? Like, that bothers me. I'm frustrated with it. And if, if you know me, I, I have no problem telling you what is frustrating me. Um, that's why when people come to me for pastoral counsel, I'm not, I'm not a very good, like, compassionate person. I'm like, yeah, because you're doing jacked up things. So if you'll stop doing the jacked up things, you'll stop having a jacked up life. Um, you know, I don't know why God called me to be a pastor. I feel like people think that pastors are meek and mild and, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you, brother. Um, uh, but it's in God's will. And I remember, I remember getting back on the plane and I was, I was frustrated I was angry, I was heartbroken, I was, I was sitting there and it was almost like a little bit of disillusionment because I'm going, God, I was troubled. I remember sitting in the airplane <clears throat> and I just began to weep. We're taking off and I just began to weep in a mixture of heartache and, and anger and I'm frustrated and I can't stop. My wife's sitting next to me and she's going, are you okay? And if you know me, I'm not really a crier. My wife thinks I'm a robot sometimes, and I'm like, I do have emotions, I promise you. And, and I begin to weep, and I begin to break down, and I begin to cry, and, and to the point where I can't control it, and, and I'm crying all the way to drink service. And the stewardess comes by, and is like, what do you want to drink? I'm like, nothing, you know, like. <laughs> and I'm weeping, and I'm angry at God, and I'm frustrated, and I'm going, God, humanity is suffering, and the church just spent $80,000 to do nothing. And I was frustrated with this, and I was troubled by it. And, and it was almost like I, I almost was having this moment of questioning, God, why am I in the ministry? God, why am I doing this? What is it all for? What's the hope that is available to humanity? And I felt like in that moment, after almost an hour of just weeping uncontrollably, God whispered in my ear, my church, my church. 
And it was at that moment where God began to kind of download into me that, like, what would the, what would the picture of a church who actually meant what they said and who actually went into the world not just to go into Christian tourism and not just to kind of give it, give it lip service, but what if we had a church who actually lived a Christian life and went into the world with, with light, went into the world with the gospel and began to actually be the church, not just in the walls of the church, but out of the walls in the, out of the, outside of the walls in our communities, in our homes. And that's when God began to whisper to me, my church is the hope of the world. My, my, my church, my, my people, uh, uh, people whose, whose hearts are set on fire by God, that is the hope of the world. God often troubles us with a dream so that he can tap us for destiny. So what troubles you? What, what troubles you? What bothers you? The fact that children are in the foster care system, does that bother you? The fact that, that, that people coming out of divorce have, have no options and feel like they're aimless, does that bother you? The fact that our world is twisting and turning and going upside down and, and we're calling lies truth and truth a lie, does that bother you? The fact that there are people, the fact that there are people in our city that are financially successful, but in their soul they're bankrupt, does that bother you? Does it bother you that your neighbors that you will park into for 4 to 10 to 15 years, but you'll never reach them for Jesus? Does that bother you? Does it bother you that there's an empty seat next to you? Does it, does it bother you that, that, that the church has kind of been sidelined to culture? Does it bother you? You see, not all dreams are happy. Sometimes dreams trouble us, and, and sometimes the dreams that trouble us are God's promptings to say, do something. Do something, I'm, I'm calling you, and I get it, in our inadequacy, in our insecurity, and in our, our way of going, who, me? And I would say, yes, alone you are but a thread that can be snapped. But together we are a force. Together we are a tapestry. Together we are a picture of what the church can be in its true potential. I want to keep dreaming. I want to keep believing. I want to keep seeing the vision of God. And I will never let that happen. What had happened on the airplane, I would always say, God, I'm giving my life to build the church. And not a church that's sidelined in culture, but a church that will always rage against culture in compassion, in love, in true grace, but, but hoping that we can redeem humanity. You see, what you're a part of and what your dream is a part of is not just for you. We need your dream. We need your dream. This church needs your dream. Because if, if you're here, then your dream is here, then your destiny is here, then God is using you to weave something together that's bigger than me, that's bigger than you, but we need your dream. We don't need your Disney movie, we need your dream. Woven together where God often troubles us is his way of tapping us on the shoulder and saying, hey, So you think God gave you a better job just so you can make more money. No, he put you around people that he needs you to reach. You think God just gave you your dream home because he wants you to have at least 3,000 square feet. No, God put you in a neighborhood for a reason. God put you in that apartment complex for a reason. You think you'd move to Austin because it's a cool, hip city. No, no, God brought you to Austin because the dream is to redeem Austin. You see, the dream of God 
was beyond Pharaoh. It was beyond Joseph. It was for the world. God wants us to dream beyond me. God wants us to dream beyond us. God wants us to collectively dream while individually following the dream of God for our heart. Therefore, we can weave it together and do something significant. Genesis 41 verse 16 says this, Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Pharaoh goes to his council and he goes to his musicians and he goes to the wise people and, and nobody can answer the questions. It, 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 the dream kind of feels like it hit a dead end until the cupbearer comes in. And I think we can look to culture, we can look to celebrities, we can look to our family sometimes sometimes we can look to all these other people to interpret the dream that God's given us but can I tell you it's, it's it's only God that can give explanation to it which means that if God is giving explanation to it there's something about your dream that ties in with his church you see God's not just giving you the dream just so you can personally benefit that's not in the that's not in the architecture and the theology of God so my question for you this morning is, what is, trying, what is God trying to do through you, not just for you? So, so here's the deal. You may have a Joseph dream, and it feels very selfish. That's okay. We all start there. I start there. You start there. Joseph starts there. We all start in this place of selfishness, but then we have to do things in our life to combat the selfishness. That's why we serve. That's why service is so important to the heart of God. Why? Because it's an, it's an ingredient that combats selfishness. That's prayer. Prayer combats selfishness because we can begin to think that we can do a lot ourselves, but when we come to God, it's, it's a term, it's a big theological call, term called mortification of the flesh, where, where we pray and we kill our flesh through prayer and therefore we glorify our spirit to God. Can I tell you that there are things in our life that we can do that combat selfishness? That's why I'm so thankful for Connor and Whitney's testimony. That's why generosity is something that combats our flesh. And here's the deal, I'm believing, because here's the, I, I, I just feel like this, the number one donors in the church right now are baby boomers. Where are my baby boomers at? <laughs> Woo! And right now, millennial and the generations below it, if current rates of giving stay true in millennial generations and below, the churches will close. The rates of giving in, in my age group and below do not reflect that of the generations before us. I believe we can change that. I believe we can change that. You see, there's things that God puts in our life that combat selfishness. And so the dream that God has given you, it's not a bad thing. Lean into it, chase it, but ask God, God, what are you trying to do through me? So I have a dream to write a book. I have a dream to start a business. I have a dream to meet somebody. I have a dream to have a family. I have a, I have a dream to travel. I have, a, I have a dream to do all these things. Listen, listen, it all starts selfishly, but begin to ask God, God, what are you trying to do through me, not just for me? And then God can go, I can show you the world. Our world gets opened up. Our eyes, our heart begins to see beyond ourselves. So what is God trying to do through you? As I close this morning, I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 41, verse 25, and it says this, Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Come on, somebody say, He is about to do. Come on, oh, won't he do it? 
I think God is about to be on display. And here's the deal. I know, understand that this message is not individualistic and doesn't help me and not sim- doesn't address my needs. Because I think there's sometimes that we have to preach messages and bring messages from the Word of God that are not just symptomatic. That don't just address felt needs. I think sometimes, every once in a while, we need to be reminded of what we're a part of and what God is trying to do. Sometimes the scripture is not just an advil to your headache, but it's something where it goes, God, what's bigger than me? What's beyond me? I think the dream is a window into the design of God, what God is ultimately wanting to do. And so Pharaoh comes to Joseph and he says, Joseph, listen, I had a dream of seven years, or I had this dream of these cows and then of this weed, and Joseph begins to go, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have seven years of prosperity. Seven years is going to be great. And then you're going to have seven years of need. And Joseph begins to outline and says, here's what I think you should do about it. Which you don't want to miss next week because I, I, I'm, I'm really going to get into how we do this. And, and I think this, <laughs> I guess that was funny. I appreciate it. <laughs> seven years of plenty, seven years. Joseph says, listen, you're going to have to take, take one-fifth, take one-fifth in those seven years. Take one-fifth, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to set it aside, put it in the storehouse. Isn't it interesting that the church is... Is also called the storehouse, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Put into the storehouse so that, so that when the need comes, when the famine comes, you're ready. You're ready. You see, what Joseph does in Egypt is a picture of the church. Because the people of Egypt, they sacrificed, they leaned into, they gave one-fifth so that they could be ready for when the need came ready when the need came. And what they thought they were going to do was just feed Egypt, but they ended up feeding the whole world, and that's what the picture of our church is. We feed humanity. We may not feed them physically because we live in a pretty much successful society. Yes, there are pockets of society that we can continue to reach, and we do. But the biggest hunger in our world is in their souls. It's for the Word of God. And so this is going to be rather practical this morning. And if you're new with us this morning, I hope you catch a vision of what our church is about. And if you're new-ish with us, we do something once a year. I don't take up special offerings throughout the year. We do all that we do because of your consistent generosity except for one time a year. One time a year we give above what we normally give so that we can go beyond where we normally go. And this is where, like, quite frankly, we put our money where our mouth is. And so what I want us to see is that each of you should have received a dream again envelope. Will you guys pull that out for me? And ushers, if they don't have one, just put your hands up. And I would encourage couples to each, don't just share one, get one of your own. Dream again, dream again right here. I'm going to ask for these envelopes back on December 12th. December 12th is the day that we as a church, give above and beyond our normal sacrifice. And the reason we do this is because because need is coming. Need is coming. And what I want to be able to do is proactively say yes to when need comes. Because of your generosity last year, we've been able to say yes to multiple things this year. We're going to on pace to give over almost over or just about $200,000 to missions and outreach this year. (laughs) 
but for me to try to tell you what's coming in our church would be foolish of me. My, my job in right now is to prepare for what God is bringing. To prepare. And, and here's the deal. As a church, once a year, what we do is we rally and we are radically generous. And so you'll see this. This is a Dream Again envelope. I want you to take this for the next few weeks. And there's multiple ways to give. And, and here's the deal. We don't, we don't shy away from generosity. We are bold about generosity. And, and on here, there's three opportunities for you. The first one is beginning to tithe. Just like Connor and Whitney's story, I dare you to begin to tithe. Trust God in that. Pray about God. And if that's, God, if that's something where you feel like God is dealing with you, I encourage you to do that. The second one is continuing to tithe. And the third one is participating in the Dream Again offering by giving. And that's what I want you to pray over. Now, here's the deal. We could, if, if it was about money, we could get more money if we asked you to pledge over the next 12 months. But what I'm asking you to do is in this moment, I want you to take a faith step. God, what's the best offering that I can bring on December 12th? What do I feel like you're giving me? And here's the deal. The first number you're going to hear, and you think I'm being manipulative. I promise you I'm not. I just know how God works. The first number you're going to hear is what you can do. And when you pray and you ask the Lord is what God wants you to do. And on the back of it, and this is really important to us because we pray over these things, is I want you to begin to write down for you. What dream has God given you for 2022 and beyond? Where are you dreaming again? Where are you believing again? Where are you praying, God, your Holy Spirit begin to move in Jesus' name? That's right here. And I think this, as we, as we stretch as a church, as we give as a church, I think this, the beauty in all of this is that we are ready. The storehouse is ready. We don't want to reactively be generous. We want to proactively be generous so that as a church, we can be on the front foot. When opportunity comes, we can be on the front foot. When need comes, we can be on the front foot. When there's an opportunity across the world and we got to reach people, I don't have to come in and go, hey, can we do a special offering? I can say, man, my church was incredibly generous on December 12th. We can say yes to that thing. When God opens the opportunity for another campus, we want to be able to say yes for that. And what I want to be able to do is this, is I want to get into the hearts of people. And that's why I don't do, I don't do, I don't do special offerings except one time a year. December 12th. And I want you to pray about the dream that is beyond you. The dream that's beyond you. Because here's the deal. The world's hungry. The world's hungry. And as a church, I want to be able to say yes to hungry people. I want to be able to create more space for hungry people. I want to reach more hungry people on the internet. I want to reach more hungry people across the world. I want to reach those who are in need. But I can't reach those who are in need until we begin to carve out and say, here's some for the storehouse. Here's some for the storehouse. We're storing it up so we can say yes. We're storing it up so we can reach new people. Amen? Will you stand with me, church? I want to pray over you. And then we're going to worship a little bit, and Natalie's going to come. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would begin to speak to us. God, a dream that's beyond me, a dream that goes before me, the dream that troubles me, the dream, God, that's not just for me, but it's woven together in the greater picture of humanity. God, what are you trying to do through us? Father, I pray that we respond in generosity, we respond in obedience, Lord Jesus. And God, I pray that we see that you're trying to do something bigger than just one of us. God, you're doing something bigger than just a few of us. God, you're doing something bigger than all of us, Lord, because you're the king.
and you sit on the throne and let your will be done, Father, and help us dream beyond me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, church.